Good to be with you guys. Join me in prayer, would you? Father, we just thank you that from your throne you have ordained for us to be here this evening. That actually, and that it's awesome to think that actually in the future we're going to stand before you and talk about this. What you've done in the midst of us, what you're planning on doing, how you glorified yourself. So before we begin anything this evening, we just want to take a moment and say thank you. Thank you that you are who you are, that you're good, and that we can trust your eternal character. As we turn our attention to your word this evening, would you speak to us? Would you teach us your ways, O God? Let us be a people that tremble at your word and be a people that obey and do exploits because we know you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. amen. Would you guys grab your Bibles and go with me to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Now, it's kind of interesting, as you guys are turning there, I want to kind of introduce the idea. I'm sure that you've been in many uh, training or teaching or sermons where they've talked about prayer. Prayer is one of the main themes in Scripture. Um, tonight, we're not going to talk about what we would call the introduction of prayer, like why you should pray. Uh, we're going to actually go towards what we call the end of prayer. How does prayer actually get answered? Um, I don't know if you guys are like I am. I, I actually really have this excitement to pray and never see it uh, happen in my life, don't you? And so I think all of us have this, uh, this learning curve or this growth that Jesus actually wants us to go and grow into in the idea of how prayer not only changes us, but moves the hand of God and it changes the world that we live in. And so we're, we're actually asking a question, can prayers be answered. And obviously you realize that all prayers are answered, right? It's either yes or no. But we're saying, how do we actually see God do the things that he puts in our hearts? So this is going to relate to receiving prophetic ministry. This is going to be about your own devotional prayer life. It's going to have all of that because we, we don't want to just interact with God. We want to see God change things. He has put in our heart a desire to see transformation. And that comes from our prayer life. And so uh, we're going to look at a familiar passage, if you guys will read this. I, this passage, just to give you an idea, this is one of the passages that the Lord used to form me in my prayer life, uh, this specific passage, and I'll, I'll give you some of how he did that. But what we want to do is we want to read it. It says this, And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know we have the request that we have asked for. Well, that's, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? So it's telling us that not only can we pray something according to God's will, it means that God is actually listening to us, and if he's listening to us, he ac we actually get what we're asking for. And it sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? When you look at the passage itself, um, and what we're going to do is we're just going to take some words and we're going to say, well, how was it used in the original language, and what do we need to get from this passage? As a foundation, please remember that prayer is never presented as Scripture outside of the presence of God. So when they talk about prayer, they actually believe that God is interacting with you and you're interacting with Him. It's not just something you say into the air. It's really a relational dynamic. 
Okay? So in the passage, the first word we want to look at, we want to kind of develop, is it says, this is the confidence that we have towards him. The word confidence is really kind of interesting. It means the idea of boldness or resolve. Now, what's interesting about that is it means that uh, this is to be taken seriously. So the, the, the Greek New Testament is using um, the word. It's not just confidence in the sense, well, you know, I, I know God's will, so I'll just pray this. It actually means a resolve, a resolve that you should have in your prayer life. So think about this. Think about your prayer life. God actually wants to move it from, well, I don't know if God's going to answer this prayer, to where you actually know he's going to answer the prayer. And it creates um, a boldness or a resolve until you see what you're praying takes place in your life. That was, that's actually what the passage is beginning to introduce to you. Can, so can your prayer life actually come to a place where there's a resolve or a, a, a tenacity in prayer? Well, I believe John is actually trying to deal with this. He's saying there, there really is this place in God that my prayer life can go from just, well, I wonder if God's listening to me to this place where I really know I'm engaging with the Lord and he's actually listening to what I'm saying. And there's such a relational dynamic and an assurance that it gives me that I know this is a serious thing that's going on and he's going to answer this thing. That's what the word is trying to get across to you and I. So there's a boldness that we have towards him. And it means that uh, if we ask anything according, uh, the word according actually is interesting because it means to take something that is up in a higher plane and bring it to a lower plane. Isn't that interesting? So if we ask something according to his will. So guys, this is interesting. It's saying God's will is in heaven and the journey of prayer is to discover that and then bring it down into the plane that you and I live in. So now, see how the scripture is starting to build this? Here's how God wants you to have boldness. Your prayer life is an adventure of discovering what's going on in heaven and declaring it on the earth and seeing the exchange of pulling heaven into the time, it almost sounds like a sci-fi movie, the time continuum and see something transformed. Now, this actually lines up, <clears throat> excuse me, with what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 6 when he was training on prayer. Uh, you guys probably looked at this this morning before you came, right? Matthew chapter 6, it says that Jesus said, now pray this way, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this, this follows that kind of thinking. When they were modeling and teaching on prayer throughout the scripture, they believed that prayer was to open a door for God's power to come into a situation. Now, I'll describe this as we keep going on. Let's look at some other words. This word will. You guys ever look at this and think, well, if we pray anything according to his will. And a lot of people believe, and I'll, hopefully I can help you here, there is a way of discovering God's will, right? We have God's revealed will in Scripture, but this isn't that term that's being used for that. This means revelatory will, which means God speaks this will to you. So, what, is, what does that mean? When we use the word will here, it actually means um, desire or God's preferred will. Now, this is not to be difficult, but think about it this way. We have God's revealed will given us in the Old and New Testament, right? So when we have God's revealed will, we can see that it's God's will to heal and it's God's will to answer prayer, but we don't know how he wants to do it in each situation. So he has to give us his preferred will. Here's what I want to do. As my students 
in Kansas City used to say to me, when you're praying for a car, how, how do you know which one uh, God wants to actually give you? And uh, one of my students said to me, and they thought they were really cute, they said, well, God wants you to get an accord. And I said, well, how do you know that out of the scripture? And he said, didn't they all pray for an accord? <laughs> okay, no one got that. Let's move on. All right. So there, there really is a distinction between revealed will that we have laid down in the Old and New Testament and God's revelatory will being given to us in a very distinct situation. What does God intentionally want to do in this situation as I'm praying about it? And then I think this is fascinating. Look here. It says, if we pray according to his will, he hears us. Now, you guys understand theologically, since God is everywhere at all times and he's able to do everything, he hears every prayer. But the word that's used here isn't just he hears. It actually is more uh, profound in the Greek New Testament. It means he listens. And there's a distinction in Scripture between hearing something and listening something. Do you guys remember going to school and your professor talking and you listened but didn't pay attention? Okay, that's, the, that's what the scripture is trying to say. There's a distinction between just hearing noise and not considering anything that's being said and really paying attention to when someone's talking to you and taking it seriously and saying, I'm going to listen to this because it is my response to move towards this. Uh, you find this actually in relationship now. When husbands and wives talk to each other, uh, wouldn't you find that most disagreements come because uh, one or the other spouse says, you're not listening to me? Because they're wanting a response. Well, the scripture here is now saying, look, if you pray something according to God's uh, revelatory will, he listens to you. Okay. Now, it says, and we know if he listens to us, whatever we ask, we know we have the request that we're asking. All right. Now, just for a moment, let's talk about prayer. Okay. Here's some things I want you to think about this evening. Prayer in scripture is considered a conversation isn't it? So God has called you. Come to me. Let's talk. So prayer in scripture, some prayers are in the Old, New, Old and New Testament. They're described as a conversation. Prayer is also a courtroom setting. So there are some scriptures that actually say that when you stand before God's throne, the whole idea of standing before a throne means you're talking to a judge, and the judge is making eternal decisions about life and death, uh, justification, condemnation, all those things. And so prayer is like standing before a judge in a courtroom. So it's a conversation. It's also like standing in front of a judge. The third thing it is, is it's like prayer is like going and seeing a counselor, isn't it? You, you cast your burdens upon him. You tell him the things you're struggling with. In your weakness, you come to a father who's very gentle and he's willing to bear you up. And so prayer becomes like seeing a counselor. Prayer also is like um, understanding a power struggle. Because some of our prayers are not just about engaging with God. Prayer, our prayers end up engaging the spirit realm and it becomes a power struggle between good and evil both in the physical realm and in the supernatural realm. And so prayer becomes a power struggle. And then the last thing I have here, or two more, sorry, prayer is like a time of remembering. So we find that as I pray, I remember the works of God. So it goes to a form of meditation where I think about the goodness of, the God, of God so he refreshes my heart with faith, hope, and love again. And then the last one here, and I think this works for what we're going to cover in this passage, is prayer is a rhythm. There's a rhythm to prayer. <laughs> I don't know. Am I standing somewhere that's making it do that? Or 
Is that just a cool little feedback? Just, just enjoy it. Okay, good. All right. So if prayer is a rhythm, it means that in reality, I make a request, I get an answer. I learn, if I can use this correctly, it's like a dance. I learn to dance with God in my prayer life. And so there's a joy that's actually given to us in prayer. Now, let's take on what we would call your identity in prayer for a moment. This passage is coming to you and saying, here's how God wants you to stand before him when you pray. He wants you to have a confidence. He wants you to have a perseverance. And he wants you to have a boldness when you stand before the throne of grace. Doesn't that just amaze you? A lot of people actually beg God when they pray. And this passage is saying, don't beg God. He doesn't need you to do that. You have a different identity. You're actually allowed to stand before him and rule and reign with him. And so if you can think about it, it's like two governors coming together and deciding how a region is going to function. That's how God wants you to approach his throne. The, the biggest secret for the body of Christ is learning that we govern the affairs of human history through prayer. Is that good, Bob? Did you, did you like? Okay, I'm happy now. I'm going to sit down. I, I want, that was just for Bob. So, Okay. Uh, I can't remember it. <laughs> we govern the, the affairs of human history through prayer. And that's the secret the church has to learn in every generation. And so, <clears throat> think about this. If it says we're actually seated with Christ, that's in Ephesians chapter 2, if we're actually seated with Christ, that's a position of authority. And it's the highest position of authority. And so, you guys ready? God is always coming to us and saying, now, how do you want your life to be in me on earth? How do you want your family to be? How do you want your community to be? How do you want your nation to be? And every generation gets to decide that. And the place you learn to work out that authority is in prayer. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Because until it's one in prayer, I actually can't do it in the physical realm. And so God is trying to create a dynamic inside of us that our prayer life goes from a place of, yeah, I just don't know if it's the Lord, to where there's this boldness that actually comes inside of us and we get a sense of what God wants on heaven and we stick with it until it takes place. Now, some of my history or some of my understanding of this, when I first came to the Lord, you know, some people come to the Lord and they're immediately brought into fellowships and uh, small groups and all that kind of stuff. When I first came to the Lord, it was kind of an interesting phenomenon. All of a sudden, I got around all these elderly women that were intercessors. And, and I'd watch them pray, and I, I kept trying to figure out, why am I, and I kept getting books on prayer all the time when I first came to the Lord. I mean, I'm reading these books that no one's even heard of, and I'm saying, have you ever read, I mean, this is just incredible. And I'd watch them, and, and my Sunday school teacher, she's with the Lord now, but she used to tell me, yeah, uh, she'd ask me, now, what do you have prayer for? And I'd say, well, I need a job. And she goes, okay, now, I'm going to go pray for you, and probably by the end of the week, you're going to get a job. And I'm like, I'd look at her and like, how, are you presumptuous? I mean, how can you say stuff like that? And she goes, because I know God, and I, and I know how to pray. And I'm like, wow, I mean, how can you have that kind of confidence? And every time that lady prayed for me, my life changed. And, and she would walk up to me and she goes, okay, so what I prayed for you, did it get answered? I'm like, yes, <laughs> it's such a phenomenon. Uh, 
They'd pray for re revival to hit our church that we were at, and boom, people would get saved. They'd pray for families to get restored, boom, they'd get restored. And she, she and her friends would just fix a bullseye of prayer on somebody, and things would change. Now, that's where I want my life to go in prayer. That's where you guys want your life to go in prayer. It's, it's, it's the place that we learn to function in power and authority. All right. Let's go back to the passage, and, and I want to talk to you historically what went on with this passage and why it's so important. In church history, um, I went and did this study. People study different things. I'm fascinated by the healing ministry of the Lord. And you guys realize that for a long time, the healing ministry was only like small groups throughout the ages, like... Uh, um, <laughs> about um, wow, why can't I remember their names? Uh, the monastic lifestyle, you guys in monasteries, you guys realize those were the guys that kept the charismatic movement going. Most people don't realize that. And so while you had the mainline church doing whatever it was doing and being ridiculous, you had the monastic people actually living in the power of the Holy Spirit. But they were just few and far between compared to the greater body of Christ. And um, there was actually a specific time in the 1700s, well, after the Reformation, but the 1700s, 1800s, and 1900s, that Jesus just came around to the subject of healing and just hit the body of Christ with it. Now, I'm going to tell you about a specific person. Hopefully, you'll go research this person, and it'll encourage you. It's a lady called Phoebe Palmer. Have any of you ever heard of Phoebe Palmer? Now, when I used to go to Christian bookstores, they used to have biographies of these people, you know, those little biographies they used to have on those shelves, and I got her and read her, and some of these intercessor ladies are like, you need to read this lady, and I'm like, okay, well, what's so great about her? Uh, her dad was discipled by John Wesley, if that'll give you any idea. She comes to the United States. Her husband's a physician. She's a holiness preacher. She's reading 1 John 5. 14 one day and the Lord takes that passage where it says if he hears you you know you have what you ask and she said she found out that what God was saying whatever he gives you an assurance so you guys ready in scripture when God hears your prayer something gets released in your heart of assurance she said God would tell her now look I'm going to heal this person and she said an assurance would come into her soul that God was going to do it. And she said it didn't matter how much time she had to pray for that thing, she was going to stick with it because God promised it from heaven. And she just, whether it was two weeks or five years or 20 years, she didn't care because she got an assurance. Now, are you guys like I am? When time comes into your prayer life, that's usually what makes most of us give up is when we have to wait longer than a month for something. And she was trying to show that the kingdom of God works by the voice of God and an assurance that's actually given to you about something. And you, and you actually learn how to hold on to that more than you do the outward circumstances of something because God can assure you that he'll do something that looks impossible in the outward circumstances. Now this is very important when we talk about your prayer life and my prayer life. So let's go back to the passage and let's look at it closely here. It says this, we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know. We have what we, our request of, of him. The word know here is not the word know like I understand something. It doesn't mean assenting. It's the word know, which means experience. I know that I'm going to have what God answered. 
So when I pray some, God, would you do this in my life? God actually says the way that he convinces you that he's going to do it is he gives it to you in your soul first before he gives it to you in outward circumstances. In a sense, he assures you so that you can carry the hope until it's fulfilled. Now, prayer is supposed to open the avenue of hope restored, not fear prayer. Do you know what fear prayer is? It's where you do not get assurance and you're praying out of fear that God will do something instead of God communicating, here's what I want to do for you in this situation and restore hope and boldness to you. Now, have you guys ever experienced this? I, I started seeing this when I started praying for people. I started seeing that there were some people I was praying for. I could sense the presence of the Lord, but nothing would change. And there would be other people I'd pray for, and I'd feel an assurance come into me that something was broken, even though everything in their outward circumstances hasn't changed. And then I'd find out later the prayer got answered, or they got healed, or something happened. Have you guys sensed that before? Okay, and so what you're learning to do is you're learning this principle that's actually given to us in 1 John 5.14, that there's an assurance that God gives to this. All right, so let's talk about this idea of learning to stand before the Lord. The word confidence also means a, a not only boldness, but let's take it to another way it's translated. It means freedom. Okay, how many of you are afraid to talk to God about certain subjects because you think he doesn't want to hear it, or he's not going to answer it. The scripture is very kind to say, this is the confidence we have before him, or this is the freedom we have before him. He actually wants your prayer life to explode in freedom and pray, are you guys ready? Wild prayers expecting God to answer. Have you guys ever um, looked at the prayers in both the Old and New Testament and looked how people prayed to the Lord? Uh, some of those prayers are pretty intense. Like uh, the one that always captured my heart is where Moses just basically tells the Lord after Israel rebelled, I don't know how many times against the Lord, hey man, if you're, if you're not going to go with us, I don't want to do this anymore. And then the Lord says, well, okay, I'll go with you. And he goes, okay, well then show me your glory. Now, how many of you would pray that kind of prayer? Hey man, I'm, I'm tired of living on this planet. Could just imagine a prayer. I'm tired of living on this planet. Show me your glory. And God responds and says, okay, I'm going to take you down to the Aurora Mall and right there, I'm going to reveal my glory. Most of us would think, well, that's just, I'm not worthy of that. I can't expect that. I don't expect God to do those kind of dynamic things. God only answers my wimpy prayers. Well, see, powerful prayers being answered aren't be about your standing in the sense, like this person's more spiritual or more closer. It's about who actually has a freedom to ask God to do things that they think are not possible. Do you see Jesus modeling his prayer life that he takes impossible things and constantly models them in his prayer life? So who would pray for water to be turned into wine? Well, Jesus would. Who would pray for a kid who has a bunch of fish and a couple of loaves to turn to feed thousands of people? Well, Jesus would. See, he's taking prayer, is realizing prayer is tackling the miraculous and releasing it in his experience. See, I think God... You guys okay if I use the word miracle because it throws a lot of people off? I think, God, I think God does miracles because it's his nature. It's his nature to do miracles. He's miraculous by nature. He doesn't do miracles to satisfy us. He does miracles because it's his nature. And when we step into an arena of non-miraculous prayers, we're diminishing what God wants to express in the midst of us. 
you're actually supposed to be blown out of the water when God's answering your prayers. Uh, do you guys ready? Okay, so now I'm going to step over the line into eternity. I've passed away. My earthly body's dropped off. Now when I step into eternity, I expect miraculous things to be happening all the time and, and just being overwhelmed by the awesomeness of God. Now I'm going to step back into his, uh, time. Now I'm in time, but I don't expect God to do any of that. That's all in the future. So I'm just going to be like a beggar, hoping that God drops a crumb here and there and, and that nothing will change in my life and I'm sick and so I just have to put up with that. I mean, you guys get it? Some of these things we go through, God's trying to say, are you awake? I mean, are you, are you just happy with this nonsense? I mean, there's something great. You have this inheritance. Okay, trying to see if you guys, are, are you with me as we're going through this? Okay. So God wants you to begin to look at the miraculous and say, that's possible, not because of who I am, but by, because of who he is. And he wants, your, he wants your prayer life to just move into a bold place of going, all right, let's, let's just kind of blow things out of the water. Okay. Let's talk about the power of assurance. Okay. By the way, if you ever look um, closely at the gift of faith that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's a gift of faith that's something that God gives you. Do you know that the word can be translated gift of faith or gift of assurance? So this is interesting. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, why don't you turn there real quick. Romans 10, 17. Let's, let's look at what it talks about, about faith being given to you. Okay. Now, this, is, this scripture is actually talking about how did you actually come to the Lord? Um, are you guys like I am? I, I, I feel like I helped Jesus so that I could come to him. You know, like he needed me in the kingdom, so I came to church, and isn't it great? I came to church, and now I got saved, and the kingdom of God is happy. I, it's like I look at it from my perspective, right? Well, Romans uh, ten seventeen is not only answering the question, how did you actually get saved? It's describing how does anything actually happen in your Christian experience? So what does Romans ten seventeen tell us? Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Okay, so you could actually translate this, assurance comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Okay, so you guys ready? Simple thing, do you need faith in your life? Do you need assurance? You can actually get it. How do you get it? By hearing. So you and I come into situations and we go, okay, see that problem over there, Lord? What do you want to do to resolve that problem? And I listen to what he wants to do. When he tells me, he transforms me, he releases assurance and faith inside of me, and all of a sudden, instead of thinking that thing can overcome, him, overcome me, I actually take a different position in my soul and I say, no, I'm going to overcome that because he's spoken. So faith comes by hearing. And by the way, when it says hearing the word of God, um, have you taught this? The, the word word there is not logos, it's a rhema. It's a rhema word. That's called a living dynamic word for the situation. So faith comes by hearing a living dynamic word in that situation. Well, isn't that what prayer is? I come into a situation, something needs to change, and I need to hear a living dynamic word in that situation. That's what the passage is talking about. How do I have boldness? God gives me boldness. I believe that the love of God is bold, don't you? And so I say, well, I'm defeated in this area. What do you want to do to overcome it? And I wait for him to break in and say, here's what I want to do. 
Now, you guys have probably experienced miracles. I've seen God do miracles, and here's the amazing thing about it. Miracles are a demonstration of the most powerful way God can express his love, and he actually wants to form you to expect that. So every situation usually means it's overwhelming and you can't overcome it in your own ability, so God wants to break in and do something that you don't think is possible. And that's actually normal. Are you guys comfortable with that normalness in Christianity that you're always going to come into a situation that you can't resolve, look foolish, broken, and weak? And that's where God says, now here's how I can actually glorify myself is coming in an extreme power and love to where you're just overwhelmed by it. Um, Have you guys ever talked to someone on the street, tried to witness to him or pray for him and just feel absolutely inadequate as you're doing it? Well, that's called normal prayer. Uh, that'll, ne- that'll never change in your Christian experience. You're always going to feel that way, and that's intentional because it's not about your ability. It's about Him. Okay, so I have to realize, okay, when I look at a situation, I have to look at it from His perspective. So what I have to do in prayer to get boldness is I have to jump into His love and understand how powerful it is and then say, now from your love, how do you want to overcome this? And I think that's how boldness is created. An assurance is created in us because God's love is greater than the power of death. Now, I know some of you in the future, I'm very grateful to say this, I know some of you in your future are going to raise some people from the dead. (laughs) And when you do, what you'll recognize is this, because this is any miracle that happens in the kingdom. You'll realize that what you saw was a, a... a powerful demonstration of normal Christianity, which is called the expression of God's love. Several years ago, um, I was praying for a woman, a a, a child of this family who was severely demonized. And um, it was so bad that she would choke every night. And they would have to rush her down to the emergency ward. This is when I was living in Cara Springs. And um, God basically told me I had to pray for her. And through the process of it, uh, if you guys ever have any of these assignments given to you, through the process of it, I got incredibly in touch with my lack of faith. And praying and not seeing something change. And God trying to encourage me through that process. And, and this is one of the scriptures that he, he gave me. And he had actually make me, I thought it was interesting, is he'd actually, in a sense, make me memorize this scripture as I was praying for this girl because I prayed for her for, now you're going to think this is kind of wimpy, but at the time I had just known the Lord for literally less than a year. But I had been praying for her for six months straight. Nothing was changing. And she was having this phenomenon every day where she had almost choked, she had turned blue, that after rush her to the emergency ward. And the Lord told me, this, this child is demonized and you're going to break it. Now can you imagine, I'm barely walking with the Lord for a year and I'm having to learn how to do this. All right? As I'm going through this process and God's making me memorize that, I'm realizing something's going on in the process of praying for her. An assurance is being given to me. Now, I, I had this experience where the Lord actually made me Uh, command that this thing would be broken over her in a time of prayer. And then I go to uh, 
school and he, the professor's going just like Paula did who has prayer requests and this guy raises his hand like he did every day and he says, everyone, all of us are just looking at him, what do you need prayer for? Well, it's his daughter and she started choking. The Lord told me, hey, your prayer time for her is done. And I go to school and she's not any better and I go back home and said, were, were you like lying to me? I mean, what was that all about? And the Lord had this really cool conversation with me about assurance and breakthrough. He said, now, from now on, I don't want you asking me to do this. I don't want you proclaiming anything over her. I want you worshiping me that I've broken it. So through the process of assurance, he had brought me to the finish point that the part that he asked me to carry was over. The next day, I go back to class. And because this had been going on, none of us asked for our prayer requests anymore because we're just looking at him because we're waiting for him to raise his hand and say, my daughter choked tonight and all that stuff. So we get to class. Uh, the professor goes, okay, uh, does anyone have any prayer requests? And all of us just look over at him. <laughs> so we're looking at him now. And he's not raising his hand. And the, and the teacher even said, uh, his name was Mitch Mitch, do you want us to pray for your daughter? And he goes, no, she didn't have an episode. Okay, now are you guys like I am? I almost had hope restored in my heart. Okay, one time. But I wasn't going to believe it until we went at least a month without it happening. So every day, and, and we're all waiting for him to say, yeah, it didn't happen. But he never stopped. At in fact, all our professors in each one of our class said, Mitch, do you want us to pray for you? He's like, no, she's not having any more of these things happen anymore. Now, are you guys ready? After a month of God doing that, are you guys like I am full of unbelief? After a month, <laughs> I'm just like, it actually worked. Are you guys ready? After that, she never had an episode again. Now, that whole journey of prayer for me was learning the ways of the Lord in prayer. It changed my prayer life. I had to believe God, just like you have to. I had to believe God in my weakness before anything even changes. And I learned that God can, has the ability to sustain us in prayer when everything looks like it's going to fail on the outside because God loves doing miracles in our lives. Okay, let's... Uh, Let's turn our heart. You guys want to turn our hearts in prayer now? Let's just turn our hearts towards prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Bring your power. Now, Lord, this is something that you're wanting to do with us. In fact, you've already been doing it with us. I ask that you would help us connect that you're trying to give us assurance and change our prayer life. And... Father, for some of us, we've become weary in carrying prayer. It's become a part of us carrying it instead of you helping us carry it. I ask that you would give us back the ability to not only pray, but to carry burdens according to your ways. Now, Father, from your throne... Would you give us assignments? Would you wake us up? Would you create inside of us a church that um, is just like your son, that sees prayer from your perspective? And would you transform us in it? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, well, let's, let's do this. Um,
I'm going to start. Can I pray a blessing over you? Would that be okay? Not, I'm sorry, Bob, not you. I'm, I'm pointing at... Oh, just the whole group. Okay, that's good, Bob. Thanks. Uh, it's you, actually. Uh, I, I forgot. No, you. Not him. You. Emily. Emily. <laughs> I got you finally. Um, do, you, do you mind... Yeah, it's kind of, I know, I know when you're in a crowd and someone's pointing, it seems like everyone's just pointing at you, so. Oh, that's fine. So would you mind standing just for a moment? Would that be okay? And you mind just putting your hands out like you're receiving? Okay, Holy Spirit, would you come? Just bring your power and your presence. Thank you, Lord. I actually saw a picture of you during worship. Uh, the Lord was showing me that, um, there's a, um, two things. There was an awakening that's going on in your heart. And the awakening has to do with you expressing your destiny in a very specific way that has impact on people. And so part of this idea of faith that I was talking about tonight is one of the giftings that Jesus is trying to develop inside of you. And he's going to head you towards actually learning to set people free. And so there's a calling on your life to actually set people free. And it's going to be like deliverance ministry that Jesus is going to bring you into. Then I also saw you sitting at a table writing and beginning to allow this creative flow work through you where you're actually writing and it's uh, from the heart of God to have actually impact on people. And I think the Lord's going to release you into doing that also. And so, Father, I ask that you come near your daughter right now. And this work of um, authority that you're doing in her life, I ask that you'd release it right now in the name of Jesus. And that you would allow your blessing to be upon her, O oh Lord. And I thank you for your goodness. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you. All right, uh, we have someone here that uh, I saw um, this morning when I was praying about this. The Lord showed me it was someone's right side of their jaw, but it, in some sense it doesn't matter. If you have jaw issues, jaw pain or pain on the, is it the right side of your jaw? Both. Um, so if you have pain in your jaw, would you stand please? Oh, Lord, I'd like to minister to you. That's you and you. Anyone else? Um, and then if you would like prayer and you don't have this condition, we can walk by and hit you in the jaw. And <laughs> just, just kidding. Just kidding. Please put your hands out like you're receiving a gift, please. Um, Holy Spirit, come and bring your power and just rest upon them in the name of Jesus. Um, I break a power of weakness over them right now. And I ask, Lord, release your strength back into their jaws right now. This whole thing that's going on with uh, their jaw feeling like it's loosened and where it's almost like TMJ, I think it is. I ask that you just break the power of that, the infirmity you would lift off, and that you would strengthen them right now by the power of your might in their jaw. In the name of Jesus. No, just let them walk in that, Lord. Bless them right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I just command even the stuff with the gums, the swelling, the inflammation, I just command that to stop in the name of Jesus Christ. And I ask that you'd restore life to them right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, could you stay standing just for a second? Thank you. Uh, while you were standing there, I actually also watched the Lord walk up to you and say that... Um, 
you're going to grow in dreams. The Lord's going to start visiting you in dreams, and you're going to start growing in dreams, and you're actually going to go on this adventure where I'm going to say this to you, and you're probably not going to want to talk to anybody about it, but Jesus is going to consistently start visiting you, and you're going to become a dreamer of dreams. So can I pray for that blessing over your life? So Father, I ask that you do that for your daughter here. Just let your blessing, this idea that you're going to impart something to her, release blessing over her right now in the name of Jesus. And I ask that you would uh, cause her to hear your voice while she sleeps. And let her dream dreams. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Um, the Lord was also showing me that uh, now this was a hard one for, because I'm sitting there and he's letting me feel it. But I'm saying, well, what is that? And so if you guys ever do this, it's a lot of fun. He was showing me that some people have um, vision problems, and it was a focusing problem. He showed me specifically the right eye, but it doesn't matter if it's the right or the left. But what it was is it wasn't so much that you can't focus. There's um, something going on with the muscle around your eye that makes it weak. So is that someone in here that's actually dealing with that? Anyone dealing with problems with their eyes, it's hard to focus, and their eye, the muscle in their eyes are weak. Anybody? Is that you? Do you mind standing? Sorry you're dealing with that, Mimi. What a bummer. All right, so if you mind putting out your hands, let's go ahead and pray for this. You guys okay if we just take a few minutes and do this? Okay. Holy Spirit, bring your power and your presence right now. In the name of Jesus. Just release your healing virtue into our eyes right now, Lord. And I ask that you would um, not only focus in, but I ask that you would, by the power of your hand, just come over the muscles over her eyes and strengthen them right now and bring the, the ability to focus, the ability to see, and the ability to function properly. I ask that the wholeness of your presence would come over her right now. In the name of Jesus. Let's just wait a moment. Lord, I just thank you. I bless your name. Bless your name. Name of Jesus Christ. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, mighty one. Amen. Thank you, Mimi. All right. Uh, so I got this. I felt like the Lord gave me a person, a man's name. His name was Jim. Is there a Jim or a person named Jim that's been coming? Does he work in construction? Okay. Is there a person named Jim that works in construction that you guys know about? as we all look at each other. <laughs> Nobody. Okay. Well, that's a fun one, so we'll just throw that one out. Uh, also, I actually saw a specific guy here. He's actually not here this evening, but there's a gentleman that I've seen the last several times that I've come here, and he has black hair. It could be that. And he actually was telling me that uh, he was actually uh, in the arena of finances, and that the Lord was actually going to bless him in that. Does that sound familiar to any of you guys? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I did. Okay. Well, the, now, so what we do is when you give this, you get to test and weigh it. So if you, I've seen him here before, but I don't see him now. So, anyways, I, if I see him again, I'll give him this word. But that's it. So let me go ahead and just release it back to Paula. Let me pray a blessing over you guys and say, uh, thank you. All right, so hold on, let me bless you. So Lord, bless them, release assurance back inside of them, and I thank you for this time, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.